Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or a message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and welcome back. We are on episode 35, and you know, I totally forgot to announce the last time I did the show with Christina, we did a Q&A. I forgot to announce it's our one-year anniversary. <laughs> like, I knew it and then forgot it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it on the show and just totally fucking got really involved in the Q&A, <laughs> which is probably a good thing because... That's more important than the actual anniversary. Um, But I wanted to tell each and every one of you who are listening right now, who plug in your headphones, who listen to me while they're folding clothes like Sharabia or taking a long traffic drive and decide to listen to my voice in the process. (laughs) Thank you. Because of you, each and every one of you, I'm able to keep this show going on for another year. Um, I mean, for this year and hopefully for many years to come. And I have a lot of things in store for this next year. And I'm really excited to tell you that I'm going to be doing a show each week. So be prepared to get a show each week uh, starting in the new year. So this uh, ending of this year, there's a lot of things going on uh, with my gym and everything. So I'm not able to do everything, um, the weekly episodes like I want to. Uh, But starting the new year, that will be happening. So I'm super stoked. We got a lot of cool things lined up, different shows, different Q&As. I got a lot of great feedback from the Q&A. So if you like those Q&As, look out for our golden mic. I will be having Christina on monthly. So she and I will be doing monthly Q&As. And I will be reaching out to other guests who have been on the show and uh, new guests, you know, to do Q&A. So If that's something you uh, really like, let me know. I like to hear y'all's feedback and how you are taking in the show. So I'll make this short and sweet. Listen, subscribe, shop, do all the cool things that keep this show running. And if you are interested in online training, I am now offering remote training uh, through Core Strength and Performance, my gym in Huntsville, Alabama, who sponsors this show. But I am only taking about 10 ladies. Um, I have a couple already. I just want to be able to have a small group of women that I can really help. You can visit core256.com and click on the uh, button that says powerlifting. You can even go to core256.com backslash online dash powerlifting and you can read more about it and you can schedule a call with me. We can talk about what your goals are. If what I do is even what you like, like you might not even be like that girl. I don't like that. I don't even want to train with you. So if that's the case, good. Let's figure it out. And if not, I can always help you out. There's a lot of women who I've spoke to who I actually recommend. Hey, I think that you should be seeing an in-person coach. I think that might be more beneficial for you. I know a good coach in the area. Um, That sometimes is the best alternative. However, you won't know until we talk and see what's up. So if you're interested in any online training, you holla at your girl, send me a direct message. You can also email me at at coach at core256.com. And today we are talking about meat prep. So I have broken it up into three different areas. A week before competing or weeks before competing (laughs) because there are a few things that I like to touch on a few weeks before 
the check-in or weigh-in, and that will vary from federation to federation, whether it's the day before or two hours before, and then day of meet. What are things to consider? Now, this is great if it is your first powerlifting meet and you're like, what the fuck? Um, there's a lot of wonderful videos out there, uh, Juggernaut Strength, um, or Juggernaut Training Systems, I think that's how they pronounce it, um, Make Squats. There's a lot of different people out there who have great videos um, that touch on a lot of things. But, you know, this is my medium and I want to talk about certain things that I feel are important for your first second, even third powerlifting meet because there are certain things that I've done that I didn't learn on my first or second powerlifting meet. So let's get into that a little bit. The weeks before your competition. So if you listened to our last episode, you heard our question about super compensation and super compensation is often used in meat prep. So Prepping for a meet, the term we use prep, you know, preparing, right? So we're preparing to get into the meet. Super compensation is a tool that is used in preparing for a meet. So if you want to hear more about that, check out our episode 34 with Christina, where Christina goes all sciencey on us. Fucking she got deep and I love it. And it gives you a better idea of why we do why. Actually, you should be doing something with your meat prep where you're actually tapering or so that's like, you know, leaning out your volume and intensity in some way, um, sometimes one or the other, not necessarily both, um, but that there is a system as to how you are getting into a meat. Okay. So I'm, I'm speaking very generally for, you know, if you have no freaking idea what I'm talking about, I am going to lay it down to the most basic, basic idea because that's just easiest to understand sometimes. So I'm going to assume that you already maybe have a coach or you're doing your programming and you are leading up to your meet. Now, if you have not done any of the commands leading up to this, so maybe you've done a lot of touch and go. I've met a lot of CrossFitters and people who, you know, are really freaking strong, but you know, they don't do any commands or any of that kind of stuff. They're not a powerlifting gym. So if you haven't done any commands, and that means that in the sport of powerlifting, you have to know the, the rules. Part of the rules are these commands. They tell you what to do. That means when you are starting your squat, bench, or deadlift, and I'm going to use the bench for an example because that one usually has the most commands. They're going to tell you when to start, when to press, and when to rack it. That means put it back in the rack. These will differ from federation to federation, but on a whole, the most commands you will have is three commands. So let's go through those commands a little bit. The squat command. Now, with the squat command, you're normally going to have a start and a rack. So let me describe what that's going to look like for you. You're going to get under that bar. You're going to get yourself situated. You're going to unrack it. You're not going to look for him to tell you or her to tell you to unrack it. You're just going to unrack it yourself, right? So we're going to pull it off the rack, step back. You're going to gain control of the bar. So if you are wobbling, fixing your feet, touching your, moving your hands, they're not going to tell you to start. Most federations are going to tell you to start when you look like you've gained control under the bar and you look prepared, visibly look prepared. You don't have to make eye contact with him. You don't have to, you know, say anything. It's that you you look prepared and they've acknowledged that. They can see that. They're going to tell you to start. Normally, they'll have a hand in front because 
part of the commands is verbal and visual because you know, we both know sometimes you step under that bar and shit just goes black. <laughs> You're like, what happened? Why is everything like, you know, tunneled vision or people are clapping? You know, there's, there's music going on. So that is the reason why we have a visual as well. So you can just see the hand, even if you don't have to hear it, he is going to tell you to squat. So you just go up and down. There is no stopping at the bottom. You do not wait for them to tell you to get back up. I repeat, do not pause at the bottom. <laughs> go down and up. When you come up, you're going to see the hand fly back and it's going to say rack. Some federations don't do the back. You know, they don't have this visual that's like deliberate. I would say that almost everyone that I've seen that is a good one, you know, that's one of the major ones out there. Um, APA, SPF, you know, USAPL, USPA, all these ones are going to have a visual arm back. So that's pretty much it. So you're going to rack it back. The end, that's it. Now the bench is what you would move on to. So if you've never seen a powerlifting meet, this is the order that it goes in. Squat, bench, and deadlift. So the bench, they're going to tell you platform ready or bars loaded. There's going to be some terminology that they use. You walk up. Um, you're going to sit down, get situated. All right. You're going to unrack it on your own. So you can have somebody help you unrack it. A lot of times they'll have a spotter there who's going to help you if you want it. So let's say you're here by yourself. And if you need somebody to do a lift off for you, you ask the spotters, they'll help you out. And a lot of times they know how to lift off. If you've ever had a shitty lift off where somebody pulls the bar excessively, that's my thing. Like I really do not like having a big pull off. I had a friend that really liked to, for me to pull the whole bar and let it kind of land in their hands. I do not like that. I, I want it to be so tight that all I'm really doing is like a reverse extension kind of thing and, and pulling it out. So anyways, if you have somebody who can unrack it for you, they can help you and unrack it. You're going to wait for the start command. So you're going to, again, you're going to have a ref behind you, hand up. He's going to say, start. His arm will go down. You will start. And when the bar is motionless at your chest, they will say, press or up. You're going to press it up. And then they're going to say, rack. So again, the three commands are start, press, and rack. Now you can see why these would be very important for you to practice before. Now, if you train by yourself and there's nobody there to tell you these commands, do them in your brain. I did that for like six years. <laughs> so you do them in your brain. You don't have anybody else there. You do what you got to do. Okay. But know these commands. Do not rush the press command. I think a lot of people just kind of almost touch and go or anticipate um, the press and don't let it pretty much be motionless on your chest. You cannot anticipate that. If you beat the press command or you beat the rack command, which is what usually happens, it won't count. Okay. So that'll be a red light. Um, I would recommend that if you are practicing it on your own, you give yourself a one, 1000 in your brain. Okay. Not a two, but just say one, 1000 and then press. Cause that usually will be enough, um, time for a real, I would say a real press command. The deadlift. Now, this is the most fun, of course, the most fun, to, you know, I'm sure other people out there are like, girl, I love, I love squats. It's because they're better at it. But I would say on a whole, people love deadlifts the most. <laughs> but the, the best thing is that it has the least amount of commands, meaning it only has one command. 
You walk up, you grab that bar, you pull it, and they'll tell you down. So some things to consider is that they're not going to tell you to start. When you walk up, normally the ref will have their hand already up in the air because the visual is going to be the down, right? So the one command is down. So that you'll just see them with their hand up. They'll say the same thing. Bar ready. Uh, bar is loaded. Uh, platform ready. Whatever that may be. You're going to come up. They're going to pull it. And when they say down, you go down. The bar has to look under control. So... If you are wiggling, if you're doing some funky stuff, they're not going to tell you down. If you're still struggling to lock it out and maybe you're like almost there, if they have not told you down, it's because visually they see that you have not finished the lift. Okay. So here's a few things that I did want to go over for um, each of the lifts as far as why you might not get the lift. So some common things that I see when it comes to the squat that would cause you, of course, to not get a white light would be depth. Now, we all know that that is the main reason most people do not make their lift on the squat. And what does depth mean? It means almost every federation will have some sort of terminology that sounds like this, but it is the crease of the hip has to be below the top of the knee. That can vary. USAPL is much more strict with their depth. I would say next up is USPA. Um, and, and when you go to the other federations, they, they tend to be more parallel or, you know, it, it all depends. Anyways, if you just make it so they don't have to question your depth, you're good. If you make it so it's close, then we're going to have judges who are going to be paying attention. And I tell this to the ladies that I coach. Once that you, you know, get a red, maybe depth, um, maybe you're, you know, falling, moving all around on the platform, like had bad control. They're going to be hyper aware from that point forward. Okay. I remember this person, they didn't hit depth last time. Let me take a look. Even you make sure they're going to, and I tell you right now, as a judge, I'm crossing my fingers that that person makes depth. Cause the last thing you want is that they don't like nobody gets joy out of giving red lights. If you get joy out of that, you're a shithead. I'm just going to put that out there because everything in me, when I see somebody, especially their first time, like getting really close or have already gotten red lights and they're close to bombing out, my heart is like pumping because you just, you just feel for them, you know? So don't make it close, sink it. Now there's going to be other rules, uh, little, little rules. I was actually talking to Denise, uh, who is one of our members at the gym. What up Denise? And I was telling her, you know, like, uh, you know, the loopholes, the loopholes on your wrist wraps, those actually have to be removed before you step up to the bar. It's a safety thing. So if you use the little loophole on your wrist wrap to wrap your wrist around and you keep the loophole on, you got to take that off. Those little details like that, they're minor. And I, I try not to hanker too much on those things because it's just another thing that goes in our head that are like, oh my gosh, don't forget this. Oh my gosh, don't forget this. But really it doesn't matter. In the USPA, um, it's a minor, what we call a minor infraction. So things like your singlet touching your knee sleeve, those are minor infractions, meaning you're not going to get a red light for that. Um, and in the end, that's what really what matters, right? So don't don't worry about those little things. If it's you just kind of, you know, go in confidently what you know, don't worry about those small things because they're all just small things. And the judge will tell you, hey, just, you know, nobody's going to be judging you or anything like that. There's so many freaking rules. So to remember all these little things is kind of ridiculous. We know that too. Moving on to the bench. Some 
things that I see uh, that are very common mistakes that can either call you, cause you to be disqualified or things that you might be like, what? Um, of course, is jumping the command. So like I said earlier, where you're not waiting for them to actually tell you. This is like school. Hey, you got to listen to the rules and you got to obey the rules. You got to listen for them to tell you press and rack. If you are not, or if you're starting. So this is a good example because in other federations, um, IPA, a lot of other federations, you just start the press. And when you get to your chest, then they tell you to press and then rack. So with you know, USPA, USAPL, probably the two most popular ones out there. Um, you have to wait for that command. So if you jump any of those commands, you do that, that's a red light. You're not going to get the lift. Um, if you are moving your feet up and down, that's totally fine. But if you lift your feet up, that causes a red light. Some federations, you got to keep your feet flat. I believe USAPL, you got to keep your feet flat, uh, meaning you can't go on your toes. A lot of other federations you can go on your toes. So, the, you know, those little things are something to know about before, uh, but not to worry too much unless you are like happy feet and like to move your feet a ton. Uneven lockout. So in the USPA, you have to have an even lockout. What does that mean? So maybe you're pressing and one arm is going up higher and we all have this kind of moment. We're like, oh shit, that left arm's going, but the right arm is not going, but the right arm starts to catch up and it's moving up and it's moving up. You have to finish it equally. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that's hard to like manage in your brain in the moment. It's just what your body just either does it or it doesn't. But if you unevenly lock out, a lot of times that's not, you don't, it doesn't count. Um, so one thing, you know, try to really work on your weaknesses. If you have an uneven, consistently an uneven lockout and could be your tricep, could be the way that you're positioning your back on the bench. One side might be tucked more than the other. Um, we, we forget about those things. It's not just the tricep or the chest muscle. It's also our positioning. So really take a look at how you're laying down on the bench, how you're setting up, where you're grabbing, uh, where your elbows are positioned when you're pressing. That might mean you taking multiple videos of yourself. Or if you have somebody there coaching you, they can, you know, keep an eye on that. The deadlift. Deadlift is pretty easy. I would have to say that the biggest... Um, the biggest one I see, of course, is not completely locking out. So if you have what we call like a soft lockout, which is almost like sad to even say whenever I hear like soft lockout, it just sounds like insulting. <laughs> I don't know why. Anything soft before in, in any kind of powerlifting spectrum just sounds insulting. But it should be because it's not locked out all the way. So a soft lockout would mean that your hips are not all the way through, right? So we have to have where your hips are not unlocked or your knees are unlocked. If it looks like that, then that will probably be red lighted on the sides. Another common one that I always see, and you'll know if this is you, that when you're finishing your lockout, you're already pulling back really, really far. So you're at a bend, right? So your extension, your back is extending back all the way, yet your knees are not locked out. So this is a common mistake that I see where people are finishing the lockout by pulling back, but not squeezing the glutes through and locking the knees and the hips. So that would look like somebody who is bent back, but then you look at their knees and their knees are slightly unlocked. That will be a disqualification. You have to learn how to glutes to the bar. So when you're pulling up, you're squeezing those glutes to the bar and you're bringing those hips through. If you start 
pulling back and thinking, I'm going to pull back, pull back versus hips to bar or whatever cue that works for you. I find that hips to bar works the best for me. Um, that's where you're going to get a soft lockout at the hips and the knees. And you'll see it. It's kind of like this. It's just like, oh, it's almost locked out, but the knees are just not being able to fully lock out. So you just don't look locked out altogether. All that's a common one I see. So if you see yourself doing that and you got this crazy bend back um, and you notice they're like, oh, it's getting harder, you need to work on that lockout. Make sure you solidify that so there is no cause for disqualification. Now, another one I always see, and this is sucks, but it is true, you have to have control of the bar when you bring it down. Um, this might vary from federation to federation again. Uh, I hate reiterating that, but it does kind of change for different federations. If you move your feet before the bar hits the floor, that could be a red light. It's supposed to be a red light. When it happens in a split second, sometimes it's hard for the judges to really determine in that moment, all right, is that red, is that white? You literally have like not even a second to decide. So um, if you are somebody who goes sumo and you like to draw your feet in like you're a little like a little mighty mouse, like write that before the bar hits the floor, that is going to be a red light. So trust me, I don't think I've ever seen anybody in real life who has like slammed their toes on there. I mean, there are some people who get really close to the bar, but just try not to make that happen. <laughs> that is a big one. And you got to have control of the bar. So even if you're not drawing your feet back in, if you are excited as shit because you just got amazing PR and you're like, yes, on the top and you're looking at everybody and you're super happy and then you fucking throw it down or you like aggressively put it down where it looks like your elbows bend and you're pushing down, that is going to be a red light. So it doesn't necessarily mean dropping it. It doesn't mean like the crossfit drop. It means where you did not control it. So that is something they look for. If you bend your arms in victory and, and throw it down like that, that's going to be a red light. I hate to say it. And all these, all these rules are here for reasons. People have done shit, broken shit, um, bent the rules. You know, they've done all kinds of things. They've cheated. I mean, not to say that that's a cheating one, but there are a lot of rules out there that we all think like, why would that even be a rule? You know why? Because somebody out there was an asshole and tried to cheat. I've heard of such crazy, crazy stuff. And I will actually get into that a little bit more when we talk about what to bring on check-in day. With these weeks or week before your meet, one of the major things I like to tell people is, let's say you're taking some time off. Uh, and you are like, you know what? I want to work on my mobility. Um, I'm not actually lifting. So I'm going to do this and this and this wonderful. Do not do anything you wouldn't have done before. Let me repeat this. So don't do anything that you have not done before. For example, get a deep tissue massage. Yeah. Maybe you got a deep tissue massage like five months ago. Do not get it the week of your competition. If you don't regularly get massages. I sometimes see people who are on, you know, that are at the events that are doing massages, chiropractic work. Um, and maybe you got a kink. Okay. You got some sort of thing going on. I would advise you not to go see that chiropractor right then or that massage therapist right before you lift, because that is just going to fuck with you. You have not done that before. Those kind of things can mess with your anatomy just a little bit that might mess you up right before you lift. So if you are planning to do anything that week of, 
just keep it normal. Don't eat crazy stuff. Don't try a new diet. Don't add in fiber. Don't, <laughs> don't do anything that is crazy. And of course, I think across the board from anybody who is an experienced lifter, do not cut weight if this is your first meet, even if it's your second meet. The, the idea that you want to get in a lighter weight class, of course, I try to reiterate this is why do you want to be in a lighter weight class? If you're trying to hit a state record or something like that, I really would think about how worth it it is because more than likely, and this is not the case for everybody, but more than likely, you're going to fuck with yourself to the point where you're not going to lift good. This always happens. I see We all see it over and over and over. And this is why people who've done it a while tell other people, listen, don't fuck with your weight. Just go in as healthy as the same body weight you've been and have fun and lift the most weight. That's what's impressive. Nobody is impressed if you are six pounds lighter and then all of a sudden are not doing what you were doing two months ago. You will be disappointed. Your friends will feel sad for you. It'll be a sad, sad time. Please do not cut weight um, unless you are going for a world record. So again, be boring, do the same things you've always been doing, get good sleep, good water, do your normal routine, um, and don't do anything cray-cray. When you're checking in, almost every federation, you check in your gear. So we call a gear check. That means you're going to bring your bag with all the stuff you're going to be lifting with. So that means, and I'm going to list it off for you here, we're talking about everything. So not all of these things will be required for every federation, but just to be safe, bring it anyway. Underwear. So most federations, you cannot have a boxer. So you can't have like a leg, what we call like legs. It has to be sort of like that tidy whitey look, um, legless. You can wear a thong. You can go commando if you want. I don't suggest it in a singlet because I've seen some shit that I'm like, can't unsee that. But hey, to each their own. Um, bring your underwear. You also have to bring your bra, ladies. And this is another thing. for So for USA, USPA, I'm actually not sure if USAPL is one. USPA has a new rule, and I will explain this rule to you. It's fairly new. It's about a year or so, that you can have a bra that has padding in it, but it has to be sewn in. If you have a removable pad in your bra, you have to remove it. Now, why do you think that they would have that rule? Whenever there's a stupid rule like this, and I'm just saying this is stupid, not because of the USPA, um, I think that they created this because it was needed, so... It's a dumb rule because somebody fucked it up. That's what it comes down to. Somebody out there, probably multiple people, decided to stuff the shit out of their bra and tried to bench to their fake titties. Now, no knock to fake titties because I have some. I mean fake like stuffing. So again, if you have removable padding in your bra, you got to take it out. So if you really want to have the padding, which is what I like, um, I have, you know, I buy the ones that have padding in it um, that is sewn in. It's just because I don't want to have like a nipple thing going on on the stage, right? I mean, on the platform, we don't, we don't want to see that. But that is the reason why you have to bring your bra and they have to inspect it. They have to check it off. It's because somebody screwed it up and that's why we're in this situation. Same thing with underwear. Why do we have to wear tidy whities Why do men who most men do not like to wear tidy whities why do they have to do that? Because somebody decided to wear compression shorts underneath several times and made that rule. People try to get away with shit all the time. I'm going to tell you that when I was studying for my practical, which is after you 
pass your tests, you go on to be a judge, you have to actually sit down and do a practical. So you have to, you know, uh, sit with other national judge, you go over, is that a lift? Is that not a lift? Why would you say that? You know, so he's pretty much testing you. What do you think? What would you say? Um, and then you have to pass. It's like a yes, no thing. The guy I was sitting with, um, who I'm spazzing on his name right now, but he is from California. Him and his wife were, um, at, they, they come to the old school iron, um, events out there. I, you know, we were talking about people cheat. I was like, what's the craziest thing you ever seen? He told me, and I'm gonna tell you, this is crazy that a guy was squatting. All right. He has his knee wraps on and he noticed that his knee wraps looked funny. Now, mind you, he already checked these knee wraps in, right? But nobody knows what you do from that point until you lift. There's a whole bunch of shit you could do. You could check in one thing and then show up with something else. So unless the judges are spocking it out and checking every little thing, they won't know. He said that he noticed that this guy had something going on with his knee sleeves or his knee wraps. He was like, what's going on there? Calls him over after the lift, pulls off his knee, knee wraps, and a fucking half-cut tennis ball pops out from the back of his knees. Yes, you heard me. A cut tennis ball. Why? Because it gave him a little bounce at the bottom. This is the kind of crap we're dealing with. These are the kind of people who try to get away with shit like this. And then we have to make these stupid rules about. Because people like this do stupid shit like this. Like, dude, do you want to cheat to win? That's what it comes down to, right? I hate that. I hate that. I hate that people try to cut corners and try to do things like this is ridiculous. Anyways, I just like to explain this because sometimes as a athlete, we look at these rules and seem and, and look at some things that look very silly, but a lot of times those have been put in place because somebody screwed it up for us. Guys, somebody screwed it up. So let's get back to what your checklist is for your check-in and your gear. So we have your bra, your underwear your shoes. So if you're going to be wearing squat shoes, you got to bring your squat shoes and your deadlift shoes. Those just need to be looked at. They don't have to be approved. Um, for the most part, there is no shoe that needs to be like approved. It just has to have a sole. So if you're wearing slipper slippers that don't have a sole, that's actually not going to work. But deadlift slippers have a sole. Those are okay. You also need to bring your knee sleeves or knee wraps, whatever you're going to be competing with, your belt, your deadlift socks, which are required. You need to have socks that go up to your knees. They can't go over your knees, but it's okay if they go over. You can always just tuck them down. It doesn't have to be one that just shows up right at your knees. Food. Food is something you need to be bringing. You never know if they don't have any food there. So I always recommend that people bring um, some sort of shake. Um, you can have something that's easily digestible applesauce, uh, gummy bears, gummies, th you know, things that are a little bit lighter on the stomach. And then um, try to stick to whatever is your normal. So if you've been eating chicken and some light things, then stick with that. Don't do anything crazy. Don't throw in like pancakes or weird stuff like that. I like to um, bring a banana, um, maybe some hydrating drinks, Pedialyte, a Gatorade. I actually really like the Pedialyte that is the um, the one from Mexico. So if you guys have ever had, um, and this is where you can find it. If you go to Walmart and you go into, it's not going to be in the Gatorade area. It's actually going to be in the, this is so funny, I'm telling you how to find this, but it's going to be in the area where they have band-aids and stuff like that. And I forgot what the section is called, but it's normally on the bottom. And it's a, the, 
it's the Pedialyte that's from Mexico, and I forget what it's called, um, but it looks exactly the same. It has a uh, different logo, and uh, it's not the Pedialyte brand, but I actually like the flavor more. So if you want to try something adventurous that's still pretty normal, I would try I'd try that one out. Rice cakes are great. Nutrigrain bars. Uh, some people like Pop-Tarts. But, you know, again, don't go off and eat something you've never eaten before. You remember, we want to keep the stomach kind of light. You're going to be lifting throughout uh, having food that's easily digestible, something that's not going to be a, a big meal normally is the best choice. Now, if you like to eat those kind of big meals already and that you've been doing this before, then no problem. You know, add that in there. But uh, to, to err on the side of safe, just keep things a little lighter, not tons and tons of water. You don't necessarily want to be that person who is regurgitating over the front judge. We all know who you people are. <laughs> no, no knock. I, I actually love that. Um, that they stick it through, man. She kept pulling all the girls, all the people that puke. You know, I think it's freaking awesome because nobody ever lets go of the bar. And, that, you know, that's amazing. Also, any kind of mobility tools that you like to use, maybe some lacrosse balls or foam rollers. You don't, you can't guarantee where you're going to go is going to have anything. Especially if you're going to a place that's like a high school and not necessarily a gym. I like to bring deodorant, baby powder, um, ibuprofen, or some kind of Tylenol. Sometimes you just get a mad headache and it kind of sucks and... You know, you just need some to curb that a little bit. Cash. Bring cash just in case there is no one who accepts a debit card. Uh, headphones. And then this is another one. Pads and tampons. That's, you know, it's one of those things that maybe you pee a little bit and you might, might want to have a panty liner. Or you never know. Maybe even somebody else needs one. I'm one of those like mama-sons. I start bringing everything so that if somebody needs something, I have it there. Another added thing that I always bring and have in my bag when I compete is a power strip. If you are the person bringing a power strip and people are looking for outlets, you are going to be loved. <laughs> Let me tell you, every time I've competed in bodybuilding, if you have a power strip for all the power tools, you know, like the things you're going to use, power tools, things you're going to use for your hair, um, you're always looked at as a savior. So it's always good to just have that because you never know if other people need it too. And of course, following your check-in or weigh-in, just eat normal. Go have a good meal. Go eat normal. You know, we're assuming you haven't um, you haven't cut weight, so have your normal food. Don't go ham and get some Mexican, and your stomach's a baby and will not take well to Mexican food. Or don't go, you know, try and curry for the first time. <laughs> If I haven't reiterated this enough, try to be as basic and as normal as possible. Whatever you're going in your mind, because I've done this and I've, you know, you think like there's some magical thing that you have to do or that there's going to be like maybe some secret thing that you haven't read or haven't done before that is going to change or solidify what you've been doing um, on the platform, that it's going to make it that much better. It's probably not. And you're probably going to fuck with yourself too much and it's going to be a to your detriment. So like I said, just try to keep everything as normal as possible. And that includes following check-ins and weigh-ins. Just eat normal food, get great sleep the night before, you know, get a normal amount of sleep. So if you don't get like 12 hours sleep, if you normally get eight hours sleep, you know, that, that can screw you up too. So try to just be as basic as possible. Now with the day of I like to get situated. Normally you have to be there an hour before and they have a meeting 30 minutes before to talk about what's going on and kind of give you the basics of the um, of the rules and things that are going to happen that day. Uh, and, and if you don't know, it always will go squat, bench, and deadlift. 
So I like to get myself situated, find a little spot that's going to be my little my little area so I can put my bag and put my cooler and, and get my little, you know, power strip set up. Um, and I'll know that that's my area. I, I, I like to take a nap after bench. So I will get a little area where I can kind of scoot off, cover my eyes, put some headphones in and sleep. And I do take a nap and you would think it's crazy, but it does happen. And I, I feel amazing after. So that is a little trade secret for myself that I like to do. Um, and it feels wonderful. So you're going to have to work in and warm up with other people, warm up with other people, just speak up. If you see that there are no more bars and you see somebody who's kind of at the same rack height as you and or might be lifting around the same weight as you, just say, hey, can I work in with you? Is that okay? People are normally awesome. So if you're here by yourself, you don't have anybody there with you, just say, hey, can I work in there? Um, and that's the normal protocol. Do not be shy. Don't feel like you're bugging somebody. You probably are not. You're probably just overthinking that you're bugging somebody, but nobody ever feels bugged. I mean, we all know we're there to compete, and you have just as much right to own that bar as a person who is pulling 600 pounds next to you, okay? I don't care if it's 135 pounds. You have just as much right to be there. One little secret I like to, or tip, I should say, not necessarily a secret, is to write your warm-ups down. I tell my athletes to you know write down what their warms up warm-ups are um, you want to have some strategic warm-up to it so working up you know maybe the bar for uh, 15 reps uh, let's say you're squatting let's say you're squatting 200 pounds and um, you're gonna work up to that 200 pounds I would do the bar for you know 12 to 15 I would add 15 to 25 on each side and then slowly work up from there. So it'd be like eight reps, five reps, three reps, two reps, one, 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 until I get to a number that is close to what I'm going to attempt. People have different uh, ways of working up to the number they're going to open up with. I know some people who over, um, who, uh, who shoot over their number that they are going to be attempting. I've never done that. It worked great for them. I, it's not something I'd recommend. Um, unless you've already been competing and you kind of know that, that that worked for you. I like to work right before. Uh, some people like to work up to the number they're going to open up with. It's totally up to you. There is no wrong way. If you have somebody helping you, they're going to suggest something for you. And I would just go with what they suggest. If you don't have anybody helping you, then go with what you think feels right. If you feel like I don't need to necessarily work up to 135, if you're going to open with 135, I could I could probably work up to 130. I feel confident enough. I'm hitting depth. I'm I'm doing and hitting all the parts that I need. Then just do that. Go with what feels right. But having a plan kind of laid out, like written out, is super important. I think because in the moment, our brains just go to like puddle. It, my brain will sometimes just like lack. I mean, the last meet I did, I was off talking and laughing and it was my deadlift. They were running over. They're like, hey, you, you're up. I did not even have, I didn't have my shoes on. I had my singlet rolled down. I had, uh, what? I didn't have wrist wraps because normally I wear wrist wraps. And it, I was just like literally pulling my shoes on, like taking my knee sleeves off. Like what the heck? Um, it was just a hot mess. But in those moments, had I not had certain things written down, I would have not even known what my next attempt was to be. So just having things more prepared, I think, is really important. And I just try to tell people, you know, give them a little heads up on that. Another note is, let's say you lined up and you're number one and you're following Sheila, who's number two. 
And after Sheila is uh, Carly, and she's number three. If your second attempt is higher than theirs, they are going to go before you because the lineup changes to the weight. So let that sink in a little bit. If you were initially before somebody else and they attempted a weight for their second or third attempt that is lighter than yours, they're going to go before you. This is important because a lot of times people go, oh, I'm behind Carly and forget that Carly did not take a second attempt that was higher than yours. So there should be um, a TV or something around that shows your lineup and they'll be calling it out. They'll, so you got to listen. They'll say, you know, you know, Heather on deck, Sarah in the hole. Gosh, you know, I forget what the whole thing is and I, I say it all the time. Anyways, what, you want to listen. So just listen for your name and know that as the attempts are made, you might not go behind the same person. Some other tips. Bench usually goes pretty fast unless you have a lot of bench only people. So just know that your squats take a little longer uh, and the bench is usually pretty fast. So the timing of things is going to have to be looked at. You always kind of want to pay attention um, to watch the group before you or the flight before you. That is, you know, important for you to kind of note um, as you moved out throughout the day, because then, you know, you got to think about pee breaks and eating and stuff like that. Not that you don't already have a million things you're probably already thinking about. Now, to close this out, I'd like to talk a little bit about your attempts. If you have not ever thought about what you're going to attempt for your first, second, and third, there can be some strategic way to do it. Instead of just saying, oh, I max out 265, I think I'll start with 255 or 245, and then I'll go 255, and then go to 265. There, that is totally fine. I did that for years, you know, that there is no problem, so to say, with that. However, this is what I like to do, and I, I take this from Swede, who is um, the creator of FISA Methodology. Swede was on the podcast twice. Swede has a um, a multiplication pretty much. And we all, if you talk to people who've been doing this for a while, they kind of do something very similar, but he has their own way of doing it. And I found that, um, what Swede has to me is very simple and it's easy to do. And I think that sharing it with you all would have a good benefit. So let's say your squat attempt, you tested your numbers out, let's say a month out and no, let's scratch that. Let's say you didn't even test your one rep. You know, let's say your program doesn't ever call for you testing your one rep. Um, and let's say you think that you can hit 265. You're like, I am all, I am like 100% positive I can hit 265 in my squat. So your first attempt should be around 90% of that 265. So you take 265 times it by 0.9, and that would be your first attempt. And just remember that you then need to look at a conversion chart which is a kilo to pound conversion chart and see what the equivalent is. If your first attempt, let's say in the kilos, let's say it's supposed to be 245 is your 90%. And in the kilos, they have 248 and then they have 243. I would go with the 243 if, if this is your first time. If you for sure know that you can get the higher one, then go with the higher. I just like to err on, this, on the lighter side if possible. So for your first attempt, you can times it by 0.9, 90%. 
Your second attempt, you can do anywhere from 96 or 97, which is what I normally use. It kind of just depends. Nine, so you take that 265, times it by 0.97. That is the number you're going to do for your second attempt. Again, cross-reference it with your kilo conversion chart. And then for your last one, you can either go for the 265, but shit, if you're feeling good, go for the 1.02 to 1.05 um, for an overshoot. I like to go right in the middle. So maybe a 1.04 uh, and especially because if you have, you know, been training really hard, you've theoretically taken this time off to do your, um, you know, your break, your super compensation. So really you should have a lot of, you know, a lot more to give. That's where you would want to overshoot it by the 1.01 to 1.05. Swede does not recommend going over 1.05. There are some people I know that go, you know, 1.07. You know, um, and so if you want to go, I just wouldn't recommend it. I think if once you start getting closer, you realize, oh, okay, that's pretty hardcore. So write those numbers down. Put it in a little piece of paper, especially if you don't have a handler. And this is this is going to be for people who don't have a handler. You and this is my, this is what I do. You don't have to do this, but this is what I do. Put it on a piece of paper. I write that shit out. I've already had my openers, so this is all on the same paper. I fold it up and I put it in my bra because, you know, your singlet doesn't have any holes. It doesn't have any pockets. Stick it in your bra. So right after you finish the lift, you're going to have to walk over to the person who gets your next number. You have one minute to give them your next attempt. If you do not, they will either go up 2.5 pounds or you don't get the lift. So it just depends on the federation, but you want to be able to tell them something right then. Just imagine you just did your second lift and your fucking brain is like, oh my gosh, it's like so much going on in my brain. You rack the bar, you turn around, that person's right there. I swear sometimes you're just like, uh, <laughs> you know, you just, your brain's not really functioning within one minute, you know? So if you have that little paper out, you in the moment can see, all right, I felt good. This was going to be my second attempt. My second attempt was going to be 255. But that felt really good. Maybe I'll do 257.5. You know what I'm saying? So having those numbers there, it's like your brain doesn't have to think about it anymore. You've kind of gone through that route. It's falling back on the paper and just you knowing and being prepared. So that is one of the little secrets I like to do. Of course, you can take your attempts however you feel comfortable with. But I think that having a structure to it is helpful. You don't have to stick to it. Those numbers are not set in stone. You have up to five minutes to change your first attempt. So five minutes before it starts, you can change your first attempt. You cannot change your second and third attempt unless you're on deadlift. And deadlift on your third attempt, you can change your attempt. And the reason is that sometimes we have people who are going head to head. And, you know, they're like, oh, they're so close, you know, to being number one. And for pure, you know, competition, to give some pizzazz to the competition, they allow people to change their third. But you're not able to change your second and third otherwise because people, it, it, it takes a lot for us to stop what we're doing as a judge. Let me tell you, like if somebody comes back and like, no, I want to change that. All right, so now I have to run back to the table when I'm supposed to be taking the number for somebody else, tell them this number, come back, and then maybe somebody else comes back. No, you know what, I want to change that. It, it, it becomes a shit show. So you can't, for that reason, you can't change those things. So be prepared with it, have it there. Um, but know that, you know, even if you write it down and that day you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just not feeling like I can do this. Change your numbers. That's fine. Um, don't feel like, 
you know, that, that you have to stick to these numbers because they were on Instagram or you told your coach or you told your friends, you know, do what you can do. And you want to be able to have a good lift and a good meet. I don't feel like you have to hit this nine for nine for everything. I know there's this like, you know, like people love to be like, oh, I went nine for nine. If you went nine for nine, that's fucking awesome. But I don't think that that should be something you necessarily strive for. And, and let me tell you what I'm saying is that, you know, this is competition and this is a time when you overshoot, right? So nine for nine might mean that you are hitting 100% on your last one because you've already hit it and you know that's what it is. But you maybe you want to go more, you know, this is what it's about. It's go. And I, my husband always says this, but go, go big or go home. There's been a lot of times that I played it safe and the bar just flew. And then I was mad. Like, what the heck? Why would I go for what I already know? Why wouldn't I just go five pounds heavier? So I just like to put that in there. Don't hold and make it so like, it's not some like, you know, badge that you went nine for nine. I think it's great that you, if you do that, that's awesome. But it's not necessarily something that I think is like you have to get, you know what I'm saying? I much rather you try your third lift and go for that number that was like, that was pretty hard. And maybe you don't get it, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's part of the excitement of it. And that my friends wraps up everything you might need to know for your first meet. Now, if you are on your first or second meet, you know, and I just want to tell you, this is supposed to be fun. Yes, you are supposed to be nervous. If you are not nervous, then I don't think you really give a shit. <laughs> but don't overthink it. Don't let yourself get caught in, in what other people are doing. Or if you see people preparing a certain way, or if you're like, gosh, I don't like to be smacked on my back. Should I get smacked on my back? No. If you haven't been smacking yourself on the back, don't do it that day. <laughs> Try to stick to whatever you've been doing and whatever's been working for you right now because you've worked really, really hard to get where you're at. You have sacrificed nights with your family and friends. You've said no to things that, you know, normally you wouldn't. You've had many nights where you're rolling around because your butt and your legs were killing you because you work so hard. Don't screw it up that day by doing things that are weird um, and have, have fun. And, and just know that if you need help, there are a lot of people out there who would love to just talk to you that day. I, I tell you, that's one of the beautiful things about the powerlifting community. If it is your first time, they are always, you know, super happy to see people lift for the first time. I'll tell you that as a judge, I love to see, especially women coming in and lifting for the first time and, and taking that risk. You know, it's, it's risky because how many women do we know do this kind of stuff? Not many. And so you are special for doing this. And so I want you to have fun and enjoy your first meet.